0: This is the one legendary unfinished cereal.
1: With creative disarray.
0: Two lumps, no sugar.
1: A neat robot dog.
0: A paradox within an anomaly.
1: And a ball bag.
0: <laughs> it's called Sharda. Here, Here we, we go. go. <laughs> We're embarking on a voyage all through time and all through space the Counting Daleks, Thal and Ood, and the Cybertronic race Ontarians look like taters, and Silurians all have wonky scales And the Doctor has a TARDIS, we're reviewing all his tales Who back when? We're reviewing all of who there is Who back when? And Subscribe and rate all night choose, please Episode by episode, we're trudging down this temporal Come join us on this odyssey What other choice could there be than Who back when? Who Back When? What ho, dearest podcast land, and welcome to a, oh wow, long awaited episode of Who Back When, a Doctor Who podcast.
1: Or oh, Doc Pass.
0: mundo, old buddy, old pal. That lovely voice belongs to the one, the only, the Jim.
1: Hello, Jim. Boy, hello. That's such a big introduction. I can never live up to that hype. <laughs> <laughs>
0: And my voice belongs to me, podcast land. Use it at your own peril. I am Leon. Hello.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yes, guard your soundboards. Do not use them for nefarious deeds at all. (laughs) I know. I know exactly who I'm talking to making soundboards of Leon's voice. (laughs)
0: Today we are discussing a serial that is absolutely legendary. We are talking about Sharda, the unfinished, semi-produced, never, not aired in the original order, classic serial.
1: We certainly are. My goodness.
0: The serial that would have concluded season 17, am I right in saying that?
1: You are completely right in saying that, I believe.
0: Bongo. (laughs) <laughs> uh, but which didn't, and yeah. did not resurface until a VHS release at some point in the 90s. In fact, there are multiple versions of this around. It, it, how do you, wait, hang on. What do we agree, Jim? Are we doing b first, or are we jumping into the nitty-gritty, nerdy details of who watched what?
1: I think we should give a little B-Scout to just summarize a little little bit for people out there who may have forgotten what Shada is, maybe haven't even bothered to watch Sharda. Concept. What Ooh, are you even doing but...
0: listening to this podcast? Podcast land. <laughs> <laughs> Time for us to synopsize, and summarize. So take a view and, and grab a break and, break and break listen break to break this break overview. Yeah. This free for all. We, we like, like to call a chunk of who. Who? A handful of reasonably young chaps are asleep aboard the Think Tank research space station when a particularly nefarious one among them, Skagra, awakens and uses a silver orb to absorb all of their brain power in a first step of an equally nefarious plot to find and release the greatest Gallifreyan criminal, Sallievin.
1: Meanwhile, the fourth Doctor and Romana 2 are enjoying a punt down the camp as they are about to visit the in no way related to said nefarious plot, Professor. Professor Chronotis, a bumbly Mr. Magoo with a penchant for tea and a tendency to misplace potentially universe-destroying tomes of Gallifrey and lore. When one such book goes astray and Skagra
0: coincidentally
1: arrives to purloin it for himself, all hell breaks loose.
0: Uh, B-scow over. You are welcome. Aren't you just?
1: Oh my god, they're so welcome.
0: <laughs> Let's get down to the who watched what. There are multiple versions of this. There is the VHS version 90s. When in the 90s, do you know?
1: Apparently in 1992.
0: 1992, which includes basically just everything that was filmed and the scenes that were missing are replaced with a (laughs) 1992 version of Tom Baker standing in what looks like the Doctor Who experience, narrating what the audience would otherwise be enjoying on screen.
1: Yes, apparently they did commission some new effects and there was a score added as well.
0: Oh, nice. Okay. Then there is an audiobook version of this starring Paul McGann as the 8th Doctor on this adventure. Then this audiobook version was turned into a webcast, so it's animated. That was from 2003. Then there is the Ian Levine animated version. Ian Levine being the chap who produced the uh, animated remake of Mission to the Unknown from 2010, which we reviewed on Who Back When. He also uh, produced Downtown, time the sort of non canonical units movie and then there is the 2017 BBC-sanctioned animated version, which includes all of the original footage, but then the missing footage is replaced with, well, with animation. What did you watch, Jim?
1: So, I started watching the 1992 VHS version. Okay. And I did actually watch the first two parts in Z format, but I must admit I struggled to really get on board with the uh, here's maybe 10 minutes of scene replaced with one line of dialogue from 1992 version of Tom
0: Baker. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I was going to say, my condolences.
1: It's a little hard to really care about what happened in those scenes to really understand how it... Like, it was basically someone saying, okay, you know, you know how art lets you uh, take your time with things and read between the lines and enjoy stuff? Yeah, we're throwing that out the window. Here's the entirety of plot points that you need to know. <laughs> and it's this.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's a really good analogy. You're walking around the Louvre, but you're only allowed to keep your back t- to the wall and look at the people who are admiring the art. (laughs)
1: Yes. (laughs) Yeah, so I I gave up with that and I watched the animated version pretty much from the start. I I kind of went from the first uh, animated scene um, in the first episode and watched the rest of it from
0: there. How about
1: yourself? What did you watch?
0: So I watched the animated, the 2017 animated version as well, but I also went back to the VHS version and fast-forwarded through the whole thing so that I could get all of the Tom Baker bits. So I've, I've (laughs) I've watched the Tom Baker bits that you otherwise wouldn't get. Right. Um, I started watching the webcast version with Paul McGann. So I watched like the uh, the little preamble that sets up it's Paul McGann and, and not Tom Baker, and I watched a little bit into part one, but it is frankly so incredibly poorly animated that I could not sit through it. It, it okay. would probably be better as just an audiobook. The animation makes it, it... It was too much for me. And then I fast-forwarded through the Ian Levine version, which in many cases... I hate to say this, BBC. In many cases, it is much nicer than the official animation. Oh, really? Yeah. You know what I'm going to do for the website? I will put together comparison shots where you can see what a scene looks like in all the different versions, because it's staggering how different they are.
1: Yeah, I was just looking up the Ian Levine version because I don't really know much about that. And on Wikipedia, it's saying that uh, John Leeson actually voiced Canine for it. So that's yes, a he nice. does. I'm but not one hundred percent sure. Baker. I think
0: no, you don't get Tom Baker. I'm, I'm pretty sure you also get John Leeson in the webcast version uh, okay with Paul
1: McGann
0: interesting yeah I'm also not 100% sure but I think the chap who plays uh, Skagra is voiced by someone else in uh, whatever it's called in all the other versions effectively by the way did you recognize the dude from who played Skagra he's such a character actor he's been in so many things and super weird thing last night on a whim I don't even know why I did this I watched the second Timothy Dalton bond movie *License to kill and he okay. shows up in it for like 30 really? seconds he has half a line and then he fucks off <laughs> wait <laughs> i need to open my charter document and write this down <laughs> <laughs> You know,
1: I didn't re- like, he has that kind of face where I feel like I should know him, but I didn't recognize it. I'm just looking at the filmography that's on Wikipedia. And it, yeah, you're right. It's that, that kind of secondary character, maybe, maybe tertiary character.
0: Yeah. Just pops up. <laughs> I did also <laughs> recognize him as, like, from the get go, before I knew that he was, like, before I even knew who or what Skagra was, I wrote down, oh my God, I recognize the dude with the scar. He was the bad guy in the computer game Star Wars Dark Forces 2. <laughs> <laughs> Which I played as a kid, <laughs> and he's in like the cutscenes.
1: <laughs> oh right, it's back when I was, I was about to say. Well, I'm guessing he's not because that was like an animated thing, but it was back when they were doing the the video cutscenes.
0: Exactly, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Anyway, so where would you like to start with this?
1: Holy moly, where do we start with this? Do you, Do you have some questions set aside? You, you'd normally be pretty good with that. Oh,
0: I do have a couple of introductory cues. <laughs> <laughs> better take one of them okay all right here's one what's with the red carpet the
1: uh, remind me where i parked my invisible ship red carpet
0: yeah wait what <laughs> <laughs> doesn't that doesn't that defeat the purpose of having an invisible ship like, w- w- why haven't other people why hasn't someone stolen the carpet w- why is is it there because he feels like he needs a regal entrance <laughs> well probably
1: i mean you saw what he was wearing i mean he has just mugged elton john so oh my god like, that is what i
0: wrote down. i wrote down even more gay elton john <laughs> like this literally is the outfit is it is it in rocket man oh is it <laughs> i don't remember the Rocketman video does he also wear like a bleached space musketeer outfit in that <laughs> And you know what? That also actually leads me to a second question. I want you to explain to me, what is the deal with his wardrobe, Chase?
1: Yeah, I wasn't quite sure about that, because he was quite brazenly just walking around Cambridge looking like Rocketman. Yeah. Like, podcast land. I'm sorry, it may be the wrong reference, but I'm going to be calling it the Rocketman outfit. If it's wrong, possibly. Elton John, if you're listening, I'm very sorry. You're awesome.
0: Oh, (laughs) super awesome. Incredibly awesome. And I love every single outfit Elton John has ever worn in his life.
1: (laughs) Yeah, he's he's very happy just parading around Cambridge in that outfit. He's not hiding it. I mean, the hat for me was like what really set it off. Like he'd probably get away with just wearing the outfit normally, but the hat is just like. Wait, 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 wait!
0: No, 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 no! Explain yourself. You're okay with the cape. You're okay with the boots. You're okay with the triple shoulder pads. Yep, yep.
1: All on board with that. No, I think what it is, like in my mind, <laughs> that you can kind of almost say is a costume, but as soon as you put that hat on it, it's like no it's an outfit <laughs> <That's a> <laughs> <space>. <laughs> so yeah like he's
0: he's owning it around cambridge and, and, yeah, it i mean i think it's pretty amazing that no i mean he does blend in isn't it pretty amazing that no one seems to react to this no one goes are you a space alien or a really famous musician <laughs> <laughs>
1: I feel like this is something we have to address. Like, like you are currently in Oxford. Mm -hmm. Um, I spent a lot of my life in Oxford. I don't know Cambridge, but they're they're very similar. They're quite similar. If a dude walked around Oxford wearing that, you would just kind of roll your eyes a bit and go, ah, Oxford. Like, there are are people like the high street, unicycling, playing the banjo. You know, it's just
0: (laughs) that kind of place. (laughs) I don't think you're 100% right. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. (laughs) I mean, I feel like I've worn things that are maybe 23% as flamboyant as this outfit, and I've gotten weird looks. <laughs> you know? <laughs> 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 maybe I'm seeing it through rose tinted glass. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, Oxford and Cambridge are pretty similar in that they're both university towns with colleges spread across them. We only yeah. get to see the one college in this serial. I don't know which college it is, by the way. Is he going to King's? Is that what it is? Is he going to... It is it's King's, isn't it? It's Saint- called St. Seds. St. Seds. okay.
1: Uh, St. Ket- which is a fictional college.
0: Oh, right, okay. Because I get to see King's on a couple of like in a few cutscenes, I didn't realise but either way like yeah that's true but then the city city centre in Cambridge I feel is slightly more bustling than than Oxford's like the historical city centre is more bustling right and there might be a little bit more of it as well I mean Cambridge I, I don't know if Cambridge is wealthier than Oxford as universities go but it has oh. kind of that feel yeah anywho
1: yeah I mean the the big university cities well they're not big I am not really big but yeah the, the university rules the show. Yeah, that's true. So you get all all of those buildings, you get the likes of I think he's called Wilkin, the the warden guy.
0: Yes, yeah. Who's a lovely character, by the way.
1: He is a character. And yeah, you get obviously a lot of students, undergrads, uh, older students professors you know do, these are the characters we see in this serial inhabit these cities it, you know it, it, i don't know it was i definitely got a kind of warming feeling watching this is like oh right this is like it's not a world i know because i never went to either of these universities but i was surrounded by these people and it was kind of like a little bit of home
0: <laughs> yeah completely understandable i know, mean, i didn't go to oxford uni or cambridge either but it does feel quite familiar it felt a little bit okay you know what you lived in oxford a long time i currently live in oxford did you ever feel that oh why is this said in cambridge <laughs> <laughs> one of my very first observations this is as the doctor is we punting down the cam with romana he loses the thingamajiggy i've just written as a relatively recently established oxford man i'd like to point out that doc exhibits perfectly average cambridge boating technique <laughs> Hang on, I don't feel like we're completely done with Skagra, though.
1: No, okay, sorry. I massively sidetracked into the the scenery that he was running around in.
0: Oh, no, that's completely (laughs) fine and perfectly understandable. It's a beautiful scenery. But can you explain... Hang on, not to backtrack too much, but can you explain why he he shows up in his musketeer outfit, goes back to the spaceship, changes to, like, local clothes, goes out, does his thing, comes back, changes back into Elton John, and then goes back out? No, no, I cannot. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I mean, how long is he actually dressed as, like, boring Professor Guy? It's not that long, is it? Like, no, most like... of the series, he's Rocket Man, yeah? Yeah. Like, all, all the animated bit, bits, he certainly is, isn't he? I believe. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. No, I, I have no idea. Okay.
0: <laughs> what did you think of he him in general, as, though?
1: I have to say, I didn't massively think he was a great villain. Okay. I think...
0: Did you? I, don't know, ed- I
1: think most was the actor. Oh did, really? I mean, by his performance in every scene. Oh, okay. A little I bit overdramatic uh... sometimes. A little bit kind of underplayed other times. I was bit
0: absolutely bit... enamored with this guy.
1: Oh really? Okay. Yes,
0: <laughs> I loved the performance. I loved the character. But and this is not a but for the character. This is a but for my my reading of it. I was convinced in the beginning that he was Salievin until it was clear what his plan was. I assumed that's the guy.
1: Uh... I think I, there there were brief moments I thought that, but I think it seemed quite obvious the way he talked about time lords that he, he wasn't a time lord.
0: Oh, that's a good point. I didn't I didn't catch that. Sorry.
1: But I I was totally blindsided by the fact that it was chronotus I know, me too. Me feel so stupid. <laughs> <laughs> Same
0: here. <laughs> <laughs> to the point where I was utterly thrilled to find out that Chronotis was Gallifreyan, at, like, in the first place. <laughs> well,
1: when the reveal came, or just... I mean, <laughs> you mean you mean earlier on that he was Mr. Bumble Time I mean, Lord?
0: I mean, it's, well, I mean, in the beginning, when Doc 4 and Romana show up in his office, which we later find out is his TARDIS, which I also did not realise until way, way later. <laughs> um, yeah. But even at that point, it's like wow, he is Gallifreyum. This is great. Now the name Chronotis makes way more sense. <laughs>
1: <laughs> See, yeah, originally I was like, this is just really poor naming for a professor that knows about time. And I was like, wait, wait, what? He's a fucking time lord. <laughs> That's even worse. <laughs> it's like, you better be hiding. <laughs>
0: I thought that was fantastic. Okay, hang on. Wait, more questions. This is one that touches upon Cronotis, or his office, rather. This is another one of my intro cues. So, in the beginning, when we see Cronotis' office, slash his TARDIS, we see THE TARDIS inside it. But Doc and Romana are out punting, and they have not yet gone to meet Cronotis.
1: That's a very good point.
0: (laughs) So so did they show up in his office, park, just leave?
1: I mean, presumably he wasn't there, but then where was he? Because it, it kind of feels like he, he teaches... doesn't...
0: What? Do you think he teaches I'm a class no.
1: Well, given that he's been there for 300 years, apparently.
0: <laughs> oh, yeah, you're
1: right. I don't, I don't know if it was... Was it meant to be that he had been a professor
0: for 300 years?
1: Like, at that same college?
0: I think so. <laughs> yeah, maybe. <laughs>
1: because, yeah, because there was, like, the line that they've just been very discreet about it. <laughs> <Basically>. <laughs> no... <laughs> They know that he's, like, an alien or just super, super healthy. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, yeah, there might be that. But they're not super discreet about it because when Wilkins opens the door, sees the weird blue void in there, then he immediately calls the police.
1: Well, he's obviously not being let in on it. Like, But there must be the, the heads of the university, whatever name they go by, that are like, oh, yeah, uh, the guy that lives in room 223B... Um, <laughs> <laughs> never never kick him out it's fine if he outlives you that's fine too <laughs> <laughs>
0: But it's interesting that Wilkins doesn't know because Wilkins seems to be the one character who knows everything about everyone.
1: True, I guess. Well, he knows the the doc has been to visit lots of times, and the professor has been there the entire time he's been there. Oh, that's true. Yeah, because the professor is older than Wilkins, not by much, but enough. Sure, that you'd you'd accept. Oh, he he was here before I started. But at some point, like Wilkins, the, the setup is the kind of character that is going to be there in that job for life. I don't know if you get that feeling too. So at some point, Wilkins is going to be like sixty five. 17, he's thinking about retiring, and he's like, Hang on a minute. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Why is this guy still, still there? <laughs> and he's not even aged a day. <laughs> Do you remember in Capaldi and Bill times, Capaldi is teaching at university and he has his own office. Yeah. How do you feel that those two compare?
1: I feel like they're quite different beasts, actually. I guess with the Capaldi stuff, you probably never feel like he's there for a long time. Like he's he's there for maybe not even like what you would consider a, a normal length for a job. He's probably there as a Is he there covering. for one
0: semester or something? Yeah. Remind me, is the I mean, doctor's was, office his totals? Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Sorry.
1: I would just say, um, yeah, that's, that's kind of what you would expect from most doctors, especially knew who doctors that you know they, they're not staying in one place for a very long time that's true yeah uh, uh, I don't recall if his office is the TARDIS possibly is actually or like there's a space in the office which is the TARDIS I forget okay but you, you're right that, that could be uh, Maybe a callback
0: to this okay another question about the office here Chronotis's TARDIS when it manifests when it arrives somewhere it arrives just as a door which I loved by the way that idea is fantastic that. yeah that was gorgeous where you can <laughs> see just the door flying around space or like it, any wall just gets a door you open the door inside his TARDIS uh. but it just it just arrives it, it you know it materializes on a wall it, it materializes for example on the space station towards the end like it sh- shows up on Sharda there's just a door somewhere Yeah. but when he leaves as in when he and Romana come unstuck in time so to speak and Wilkin calls the Bobby to go and look at the office that has been stolen the door is still there but behind it is the weird blue void
1: because there is another door because when so when he sees the blue void obviously you just see a blue, blue void but when he goes back with the bobby mm-hmm. there's a little anti kind of thing where you put your coats and oh right but yeah because I, I was thinking the same thing when walking goes back for a start there are loads of notices all over that door
0: I know I was thinking that as well that's true
1: Um but then it was like oh but yes and there's a door like the door shouldn't be there because that's what that's part of the target um, but yeah there's I think there's like an inner door and all that has gone
0: okay. All right, yeah, fair enough. I think that that all checks out,
1: but yeah, more, more props for um, the fact that his TARDIS is that room because that that's a really nice idea. I, I think there are a lot of inventive things in this, which is it's just a shame that it's kind of lost from the the rest of the series. And like when when people were watching this, like they didn't get to see uh, Professor Chronotus and his wonderful TARDIS that's just a part of a I don't know what, what you know, a, a corner of the college in Cambridge and it's been there for 300 years. Yeah. They just skipped all of that in 1980, (laughs) which is a real shame. A
0: real pity. Yeah, I agree. All right. What about the human companions of the week? We have Claire and then we have what's his face?
1: Yes. Hmm. (laughs) Uh, Parsons. Yes. Chris Parsons, also known as Bristol.
0: (laughs) Okay. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Which I didn't, I didn't quite understand how that came about. I'm assuming he comes from Bristol, and that is said at some point. But all hey. I picked up on was that Doc starts calling him Bristol for some reason.
0: Is that his? Maybe that's his pronunciation. Does he have a Bristolian accent or something?
1: It's possible. Yeah.
0: yeah. So how do you feel about them? I
1: feel like for the most part, I didn't really give a shit. And I, <laughs> but I, I don't know if that's because a lot of their scenes, particularly the early scenes. Weren't finished, so it was hard to really get you know a, a feel for them as as characters and you know the the actors portraying them consistently. Yeah, true. What did you think?
0: Parsons kind of grew on me a little bit. In the beginning, I found him terribly annoying. Uh, I didn't like the um, animation of him at all. I didn't like the scene where he has taken the book. He shows up in his lab, and in the and this is by the way, this is way better executed in the Ian Levine version in my in my review, where he's got the book and like, he does all these dumb things. Like, he tries to stab the book at one point. It makes yeah. no sense. Like, why would you stab a book? I get that it is behaving strangely, but that just made no sense to me. He doesn't have that much agency until later on when he turned into a little bit of a um, Harry. Harry Sullivan.
1: Yeah, I, I guess I can kind of see that a bit. He's a weirdly kind of rounded individual but doesn't actually really get to use any of the traits that they claim he has. So he's intelligent. He knows a lot about physics and astronomy Astronomy and I don't, I don't know like like quantum physics like he's apparently very queued up on this kind of stuff yeah even though Doctor said he, he will have to unlearn all that because the bigger universe knows better
0: <laughs> that is a great little dialogue by the way yeah. I love that exchange do you understand Einstein yes what and quantum theory yes what and Planck yes what and Newton yes what and Schoenberg of course you've got a lot to unlearn
1: yeah That was really nice.
0: (laughs) That's very good. But you're right, he never really gets gets a chance to demonstrate that. Nor does Claire, who is equally as competent. I mean, they're both studying at Cambridge. They're they're both super brainy. But Claire doesn't, like, when she acts on her own accord, she's actually kind of incompetent. It is only after Cronotus transfers his knowledge into her mind that she becomes a a bit more of a a, a plot driver.
1: Yeah, and even then, she doesn't do a lot, she?
0: No, that's true. She doesn't actually do a lot. And there's that really, un- I was going to say annoying, it's not an annoying scene, but it, it. I feel like it's a little bit of a letdown when she's holding onto a switch and Romana's holding onto another switch uh, and yeah. Doc is trying to crawl between the two TARDISes and she just lets go of her switch. Like I get it. It's hot, but like just hold on to it a little while longer and she just lets go of it and Doc falls through the void. By the yeah. way, I said before is- that it's Cronotus and Romana that get unstuck in time. It's Cronotus and-, and Claire, isn't it? Yes. No, yeah, very right. Yeah.
1: Um. But yeah, that scene is even worse in my mind because it's not that she just lets go because it's hot. Like there is a preamble of it being hot and she's struggling to hold on. And Romana says, "Well, hold it with a pencil." Yeah. And,
0: <laughs> and I can't Plana reach a pencil. Oh no. Romana
1: tries to get the pencil for her. Can't quite reach it. And then she said, "And then it's just like a total dumb moment of like, oh, I can get that like letting go of everything."
0: Yeah. Exactly.
1: And it like it's it's not played out in any other way it's meant to be that she's being stupid which I just don't understand why, why we have that for this character that we already don't know a hell of a lot about like she's He's basically done nothing up to this point other than being a bit of a sounding board for Chris. Like, he's he's exploring some stuff and she's she's the one that's absorbing it. And then later on, she gets some time with Professor Bumbletrom and gets <laughs> extra knowledge and stuff. But at this point, yeah, she's just a, a bit of a blank slate. And then, then we get this scene to make her feel really stupid.
0: Yeah, yeah. Th- super duper good point. That's a genuine pity unless the uh, unless the people on the production side and uh, I don't know if uh, Douglas Adams had any connections to Oxford, but unless people were sort of <laughs> real Oxford chaps, and they decided, yeah, let's really clarify how how bad Cambridge students are. <laughs>
1: I th- I think no I think um I think Adams is a Cambridgeite because I think oh, that's right. how he kn- he knew the um the Monty Python lot
0: oh of course you're right
1: and this I mean this is a bit of a love love song to Cambridge oh, you know, there' it are so is, many shots yeah. of going around Cambridge like you you don't do that if you um secretly
0: no that's true no I one hundred percent but, serious, but y-
1: right.
0: <laughs> yeah not really right
1: speaking of that like Doctor is crawling between the two tardi tardises <laughs> <laughs> I'm not quite sure tardis
0: tardis <laughs> yeah
1: is this the same thing we we saw previously, like making, but it's not demonstrated to be the same technology because Doc just fathoms something where he steps through a little fabric of space time to go out into the corridor. But we have seen recently, I've, yeah,
0: like just I guess, now. <laughs> Just a moment this ago. Last... I think yeah. so, yeah.
1: Where they were kind of crashed into the other ship, and he extended the shields of the Yes, exactly,
0: tire. like, extrudes the door. Yeah. It's certainly the same effect, as in the BBC used the same effect for it.
1: Yeah. This seemed to have a slightly tractor beam-esque.
0: Yeah, maybe the wibbly-wobbliness, like, the the bullshit science behind it is different. Like, this is, he yeah. locks on to the other TARD, and you have to keep it just steady with those... <laughs> really flimsy levers <laughs> 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 hold Don't it on exactly it. around about here <laughs> <laughs> for him to crawl between the tardises but or tardi but do you think maybe this is indicative of the different stories having been written by different people at different times so sort of relatively independently of one another i
1: mean you would assume so because there are too many similarities for them not to have addressed it yeah exactly but it's also, it feels like something you could have sorted out a little bit even even if like you filmed everything i mean this never got broadcast anyway so maybe they would have sorted it out maybe. and then when people piece things back together they just left it as it was. But you would think, yeah, we can describe it slightly differently, or we can at least show a different effect where maybe Doc is being teleported sort of in a bubble across to the other one, rather than there being this this corridor connecting them.
0: Yeah, you could do. Or you, or you use the same effect and the same science and you have, let's say, for example, Romana going, as in Tom Baker goes, how on earth are we going to get to the other TARDIS? And then Romana goes, wait, hang on, very recently, why we did something like this, can't we just try to extrude the Door again, or you know, extend the shields. He's like, Ramona, I've got a great idea. Why don't we just extend the shields? And then, <laughs> boom! Yeah, they try that. But wait, then we wouldn't
1: get a stupid scene of uh, Claire having to hold a thing and then dropping it to get a pencil.
0: Ah, oh. but now they're in the time vortex, no, and maybe we... now you have to do the thing. <laughs>
1: Oh, yeah, okay, time vortex, true. That changes everything.
0: Absolutely, I think that's that's science. <laughs> in the time vortex, and also in space, by the way, I, I feel like they have changed the quality of the backgrounds. The backgrounds look so much better than they did before. The space background looks incredible. The space background, to me, looked exactly as though... Like we were all, only ever two or three frames away from their showing, like, their appearing a Orion Pictures International on top of it. It was just the perfect space <laughs> background. <laughs> Maybe
1: that's that's what made me think that the uh the model shots were particularly good then oh the m-
0: gorgeous holy yeah. moly those miniatures
1: yeah i think maybe they've sorted out a better lighting rig for them or, or something as well yeah like, maybe but that that definitely seemed to jump up in production level although not necessarily we, i think we have seen stuff that good before in previous serials but we haven't seen it like that for a while i feel like maybe previously they threw a lot of money at a couple of productions yeah and now this is the no- now they now they can just do it
0: yeah possibly But holy moly, do they stand out as stand-out miniatures. The spaceships are gorgeous. The uh, Sharda is beautiful, by the way.
1: Mm. I wonder, actually, now now I think about it, these uh, reconstructions, if they did commission new Mm -hmm. effects... Would, I would assume oh. that would miniatures. I, I would, I would imagine that would be more kind of post-production stuff.
0: You know what? I'm not 100% sure, but now that you mention it, it's possible because I did see the first few minutes of the VHS version, and now that you mention it, it I feel like maybe the background, like the nearby sun, when we see the think tank, might look slightly different in the 2017 version. Oh,
1: but it's the 1992 version that they did the extra stuff. I don't, I don't think 2017 they did. Oh, right. Anything other than the animation. Oh, I see what I you're saying. Okay. Maybe there's some info somewhere I'm not seeing. But yeah, it looks like if they were adding stuff to the physical shoots or the models, it was done in 1992. That would seem to be the implication. Okay. But yeah. That
0: makes way more sense. You're right.
1: I'm prepared to believe that was the stuff they filmed in or, or created in... The 1980s version. Okay. And it's gorgeous.
0: Speaking of gorgeous, I think possibly we have a difference of opinion. The cog. Is that (laughs) what they're called? The cog? The crag? called the cog, right? I think it's said Karg. I believe it's actually spelt like Krog. Oh, maybe it is Krog then. Either way, the monster henchman.
1: Yeah. We spoke briefly before we recorded, which is why there's been laid out on the table this difference of opinion. It's not necessarily a difference of opinion. I just feel like they would have been better served if this had been fully completed and we don't get to see mostly animated stuff and then flip to some kind of half-finished production things. Because yeah. I, I think they are, good. I think they're a really interesting design yeah so nah
0: (laughs) (laughs) in my face (laughs) the outfit is nice sorry go for it
1: yeah like the outfit do you get a kind of like scaly vibe but it's also a bit fabricy and a bit i don't know like loose fitting costume a bit hair like at the same time i don't know there's lots of interesting things in the design
0: yeah i mean it's clearly made of fabric and they do look like scales, but I think they're meant to actually be made of rock or they're silicon based, aren't they? And so, so there's that element of I'm trying to remember what Alien is called now. Oh, hang on. I'm going to go to the Vindex. Uh, do you remember Hand of Evil? Whatever the alien is called there? Or Hand of Fear? Is this maybe the one that's mostly invisible? The Hand of Fear. Yeah. It is the, the Castrians. Where it, that's also a silicon based life form. So I think that's, I think that's the texture they're going for. But then, all, and then they're lumbering like the Yeti. But then, on top of the outfit, they've also superimposed some sort of radiation effect, which looked awesome.
1: You mean the when they're on fire, sort of? Yes, exactly. Monster. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that was really cool.
0: Totally loved that. And on top of that, they're dumb. <laughs>
1: Yeah, I'm done. I feel like they're a little bit underserved in this story as well, unfortunately.
0: Yeah, I would also agree with that. There are a few missed opportunities in the sense that they've they've invested so much effort into creating this henchman, and they have the weird generation pods that just keep churning out more of the Prag or Carg or whatever they're called. But they never they never really do battle. One of them is referred to as a commander, but he doesn't actually command anything. Um they could send, you know, Skagra could send. Send the crag or the cog to, to Shada to do his bidding, rather than just stand around and, and lumber a little bit. Yeah,
1: very true. He's, he's a very hands-on villain, actually. He doesn't delegate.
0: <laughs> no, that's true. Yeah, he, he really likes to micromanage. Other missed opportunities. We get to see other prisoners on Sharda, and they don't really do anything. In the trivia, they're all credited as... uh, Hang on, I've got the full list here. They're recognizable individuals from history, from human history, by the way. We have Lucrezia Borgia. We have uh, Lady Macbeth, Salome, Rasputin, Nero, Genghis Khan. But then, oh, and there's also a credit of... A Dalek, a Cyberman, and a Zygon. Though I don't remember seeing them at any point. But those are people from actual, like you know, those are those are humans. A Y. Lady- <laughs> Like why is Rasputin uh, and and why is Lucrezia Borgia in a space prison? <laughs> <laughs> you know, th- that that makes no sense to me. But also they don't actually do anything. They show up as themselves, but then they are taken over and directed by Skagra. I feel
1: like that yeah, that's a bit of a a weak point from both sides. Is that it's kind of implied that Skagra is creating a first a first wave of he's I mean, he's basically wanted to create a gestalt mind. Yeah. And it seems that the the Krag are uh, the first wave of that. Like, he's going to give them all the same mind. That, that's what it felt like to me at the start anyway. Okay, yeah. And they would go forth, and they would, you know, increase the size of the Gestalt or whatever. But yeah, as soon as we get to Sharda proper, it seems that that's not the point. The point is to use the prisoners. I don't know, but then the prisoners aren't used. Very, they're just, like, mindlessly used as fighters. Y- yeah, they're, they're just fighting. they're drones. Yeah, there's none of this using all of these minds together, like Doc's brain is in there Skagra's, no, maybe Skagra's brain isn't in there but, you know, Colossus' brain is in there who knows, like all those five dudes that turned into cave then are in there, but yeah, they're just lumbering idiots.
0: Yeah, exactly So that's a bummer. Still, by the way we're, we're listing lots of negatives for this serial I am not swayed in any way I loved this serial.
1: I, I did love it too, I I feel like it's it's unfortunately a little bit flawed.
0: Yeah, that's true. You maybe love it because of the
1: flaws. I don't know. Yeah, but You'll this is out. good flawed.
0: <laughs> yeah. This is good flawed and Skagra is good hammy.
1: Yeah, I think for it. the most part. Yeah. I think I think uh I don't know. Maybe I'm maybe I'm wishful thinking too much. Like because I'm not quite sure. So there was some kind of union strike, I believe, which is why this was never broadcast.
0: Ah uh, yes. Oh, no, this I, is a very good point to get into.
1: I don't know really what impact that had on this. I think maybe I'm quite often thinking Oh, if the, if it hadn't happened, would they have maybe reshot that scene? Which is probably not likely. In the no, cycles. I don't think so. Uh, um, but I think when, when that's on the table, when it's like, well, things could have been different, <laughs> um, I think I'm always maybe swaying a bit like, oh, well, maybe the director could have given him a bit bit more uh, of an idea of what, what gravitas he should have really been traying that point and like toned down the ham. Like then, the next scene, he could have upped the ham. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Sure, uh, yeah. sure, okay. I think I just have to accept it. it is it, kind of, it is what it is. And that, that.
0: Yeah, I, I, I mean, I, I don't think we have any choice in the matter. Okay, but no. how about this? Here's another missed opportunity. The book. The book which is, uh, hang on, I wrote it down somewhere. The Worshipful and Ancient Law of Gallifrey. One yeah. of Rassilon's artifacts is really not used at all. Like, it is, it's just used as a, you know, back of a Cornflakes box decoder ring to find the lo- of Shada, but in the beginning, when we get to see What's-His-Face Bristol play around with a book, as he's flipping through the pages, the clock in the background is is turning. It's like he is affecting the passage of time by flipping through this book. That's awesome! That is a super cool concept. Explore that, please. Like, way more than you did.
1: Yeah, it's basically, yeah, it's kind of like a key to open Shada as well. I forget. Or is it oh, was just okay. low-key I don't know. I'm sure it's referred to, refer to it as a key, but maybe it's just like lucky as a concept but yeah it's basically flicking through the book and reading the last page whilst in the confines of a TARDIS that's like outside of time that was the only way you could oh that's find out the shard one. was it something like that okay. that's
0: really specific <laughs> <And> <laughs> you know you know what this feels like this feels like given the fact that it is a key of sorts and given the fact that it works in time this is one of those objects that might be called some sort of let's let's say just plus A term from the ether, a key to time of sorts, that you could devote a whole serial—sorry, a whole series—to finding. The fact that this book is still out there. What happens to this book at the end? It's not like the Gallifreyans are looking for it. Tom Baker just shows up and goes, "Hey, (laughs) you got a book? I want it. Why and what? What happens to it?" What if someone else gets it?
1: Okay, two things here. Mm-hmm. So firstly, is the thing about it being Rassilon's power just a myth, I guess?
0: Maybe. Is, is it, it dates precious? back to the time of Rassilon, either way.
1: Yes. but it's, I mean, it's called the Worshipful and Ancient Lore of Galathrae. Right? Like, it's not called how to be a badass like Rassilon. <laughs> you know?
0: that, that is true. And it's also not called how to get into our space prison. This true. is a history yeah. textbook. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Slash religious. Yeah, also. (laughs) And it is an ancient book about the ancient history of (laughs) Gallifrey.
1: Okay, second thing. So, Chronotis, Yeah. Um, ...slash uh, master criminal, whose name I can't remember how to pronounce, Sally Avon Sally Yes. Yeah. So, he escaped from Sharda, and then somehow made the entire, well, I don't know if it's Time Lords, like, t- Time Lords slash Gallifreyans, you know, there's always a bit <laughs> of a question mark over that, made them all forget about Sharda, because he escaped from there and wanted to hide.
0: Right. I kind of glazed and over I, this, but you're raising a very good point. Yeah. Yeah, so
1: I I wonder if the book, because he had the book as well. So is the book part of his escape?
0: Is the book what he stole? He is the greatest criminal there ever was.
1: Yeah, he says he took it from Gallifrey. Like he he left because he was retiring and he just took it with him. Yeah, that's right. As as Bumble, that's what he says. He's like, I just took it.
0: (laughs) Yeah, it's also a great line. It's like, oh, I took it as an oversight. As an oversight. Yes, an oversight. I overlooked the fact that I had decided to bring it. I kind of love him. I think. <laughs> yeah, me too. I want so much more of him. <laughs> I, just, I love how prepared he
1: is to make tea for everyone. It's just like even <laughs> the hint that there might be someone in his his um, I don't know gathering. I don't know his room. Basically, in his room, he's like, "I'm gonna make tea." Like, I'm in the kitchen already. <laughs> <laughs> many of you are there i've only got seven cups
0: <laughs> <laughs> it's so good <laughs> it was uh, two lumps no sugar <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> what does that mean
1: <laughs> what i took that to mean is man do you not want to go anywhere near his milk <laughs> <laughs> basically
0: cheese. <laughs> <laughs> so gross, but you're so right.
1: That was a very Adamsy thing. It was, yeah. And I think I don't know, I I kind of liked the way that played actually because it was it was a running joke. And I think like the first time you're just very confused, the second time you're in on the joke, the third time it's funny, and then I think maybe we don't get the fourth time where it would maybe drag on a bit. It seemed like a nice kind of like a weird thing that you're kind of let let in on and it becomes fun.
0: I think Adams may have had a a tendency to create Ticks for his characters, so this this uh, constant yeah. tendency to go and make tea is almost like a tick. It's it's this weird character trait of uh, Bumbletrons, and the fact that we get it in a repetitious fashion makes a Douglas Adamsy. In the last one that we had, that was the the otherwise last one to be edited by Adams, we had the the guard who kept going back just three or four times just to call various prisoners scum. Oh yeah, kind of out, out of context in character and there's also a verbal tick or well it is a character tick
1: that's a very good observation mm. this by the way was no, not the only thing
0: if, that but, felt oh sorry
1: yeah I'm just trying to think if you can apply it to hitchhiker stuff. anyway that, that would be a massive tangent
0: w- w- well there was one scene in this that felt super hitchhiker to me and also super duper Douglas Adams that's the conversation in the spaceship with the computer oh yes no you're very right when Tom even, Baker is logicking to- the computer out of out of <laughs> authority uh, yeah <laughs>
1: by convincing it that he's dead
0: <laughs> yes exactly I wasn't totally
1: on board with that logic and the fact that the computer fell for it but I did like that scene <laughs>
0: that's a great scene
1: I think it bothered me slightly that the computer starts out really logical and it's it's defeated with logic in quotes about you know the doc being dead and so it's not a threat and so the computer can take orders from a dead person yeah <laughs> you know whatever you know that's that's fun it's interesting it kind of works but then it it takes on the other kind of
0: do you mean the Hey, you're dead theory. you don't need to breathe
1: i know I, even like that as well like that that seems perfectly like straight and narrow this is logic that a computer might have like, yeah if it's been in these ways but then it starts having a personality later on it's complimenting the doctor and his genius and at the very end when it's turned on Skagra, it's like once to, to wax lyrical about how great the doctor is like yes once i've got you let me just tell you about the doctor you know <laughs> <laughs> Which I do, I do like it, but it just—it seemed like there wasn't a transition. It just—it was logic mode computer and then personality mode computer, and I, I was missing a little bit. Of That's fuzzing that, blur. Fuzzing, yeah. blur? No, fuzzing that blur. fuzzing that blur.
0: <laughs> uh, I feel a When T-shirt coming up. Fuzzing <laughs> that blur. The <laughs>
1: entire line is
0: fuzzing the blur. <laughs> Well, the the doctor out of your Blade Runner glass, very nice by the way. The the, um, it, the reason the computer is all of a sudden singing the praises of the doctor is because the doctor gives it a firmware upgrade that suddenly allows it to de and rematerialize.
1: Ah, yes, it does. It turns into a tardis basically.
0: It basically, yeah. I mean, it, it isn't bigger on the inside, but the doctor. You know what? I I made a note of the sound bites. This is an hour and seventeen minutes and 45 seconds into the animated version. I'm now going to introduce you to a few new concepts. Now listen very carefully. Reverse the polarity of your main drive feed. And all of a sudden, boom, dematerializing. (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> but you haven't changed the hardware. You've literally just given it an equation. Is that all it takes? Could you just dematerialize on your own without a spaceship? Like, if you know <laughs> the maths, is that enough?
1: I feel like maybe we have to accept that the uh, computer can rewire itself or its circuits are just so vast it can just send signals different ways. I yeah, think. I
0: guess so. <laughs> 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 oh, okay. Hang on. Uh, this, is, this is a tangent, sorry. But we get another mind battle. Ooh. yes we do similar to the brain of Morbius yeah but this time there's no machine in between them it's just the doctor versus Skagra Mm. which one is cleverer two space dudes enter one space dude leaves (laughs) yeah I I didn't have anything else to say about it I really just liked it (laughs) (laughs) sorry I realised I just like (laughs) took us down a different path just to go I've got nothing to say about this but it got me super excited (laughs)
1: Right, I've taken over the navigation from now on. You just send us down a cul de sac. (laughs) (laughs)
0: Please, please. (laughs) Where are we going?
1: It, it made me think, actually. I, I couldn't quite recall, like, how we left Skagra. And Skagra is just on his ship. Like, okay, the computer isn't listening to him. But yeah, you're this, right. Is this a good enough, like, kind of wrapping up for a nope. dude that... like he, he achieves a lot as a villain, actually. He really does. Like, he straight up steals the minds of half a dozen people. He creates a race of creatures that, you know, are going to attack any, anything and everything. He's discovered a forgotten Gallifreyan prison.
0: Yeah, with plenty more. More criminals in there that could also potentially be liberated, by the way.
1: Yeah. And all all we are left with at the end of this is the Time Lords now know that the prison exists, they've not forgotten about it anymore. Yeah. And Skagra is in a room that's In a room like, without doors, but like of, who cares? <laughs> Uh, yeah, I mean, Doc managed to talk that computer into doing spitting. You would assume its previous master can probably talk that computer into doing right. spitting. <laughs> exactly. Maybe maybe double check that in a, a couple of weeks, Doc. Just see if he's still.
0: And where is the spaceship going now? The spaceship is now capable of dematerializing, doing whatever it likes to, wants to do. It can go anywhere in space, possibly in time. We're not sure. It's kind of forming its own religion in that it now idolizes the Doctor. <laughs> <laughs> This is not a safe way. You're absolutely right. This is not enough of closure.
1: (laughs) And to top it off, so Doc and Romana are quite happy off in the TARDIS. Everyone on Earth is basically getting arrested.
0: oh yeah you're right yes exactly everyone is I mean, getting arrested but what are they going to do Like, they, I mean they're going to go to the bridewell I looked it up by the way the bridewell aka the spinning house in Cambridge used to be the prison the spinning house man. yeah so they're, but they're all so they're all going to be going down to the police station to the bridewell and then what like, what are they going to be charged with
1: yeah I mean it's unlikely they're going to be sent sent away for...
0: <laughs> that's true for some... best case scenario this has ruined the life of that Bobby
1: I don't know he some stories to tell,
0: <laughs> and no career.
1: <laughs> I feel like it's ruined the lives of Clara and Chris.
0: <laughs> oh wait, yes, you're so right.
1: Stay back to normality. <laughs> <laughs> she's she's got a time lord intellect or like I'm not sure how much is transferred into her brain like yeah also true a lot of things that should have been tied up better doc you just buggered off way too early (laughs)
0: and and what happened to all the we mentioned in the intro uh, uh, we're in the B-Scout the relatively young chaps in the think tank later on when we revisit them or when the doctor revisits them they've freaking turned into Dwalin, Balin, Killy Philly, Dory, Nori, Ori, Oin, Gloin, Beaver, Bofu, Bomber and Thorin I had to look that up They, they are <laughs> they all look like freaking Tolkien dwarves. They are seven million years old, give or take seven million. Like, they're, what's up with that, man? Like, why did that happen? Is that going to be resolved? Is are their lives just ruined at this point? Did time actually pass for them? Is sort of accelerated aging? Will they de-age? You know what?
1: I have no idea. I didn't think too much about it. I, I think I took it as face at face value that a lot of time had passed, but then they're in the same room and yeah. they are basically shells of people. Like they're
0: So have they not eaten? Yeah, are, exactly. are they missing one crew member all of a sudden? Like have they spent the last five hundred years like slowly nibbling on one of them? <laughs>
1: <laughs> I mean I don't think so. I think the only one that's missing is Gagra. I think they are all accounted for. Oh yes, <laughs> yeah. Super old. <laughs>
0: Yeah, so why aren't they dead? Yeah, don't know. Why do we never pan to the other corner of the room that they have just ached with feces? Like, <laughs> oh.
1: I'm glad I didn't mention that this time.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> why won't people address this in science fiction when you're or just fancy in TV life? If you're locking people up, there are biological needs that need to be
0: met. <laughs> This is what I want to see in, I, I want there to be a post-credit sequence where we fast forward, let's say, 300 years, and the computer has been feeding, as in the spaceship computer has been feeding Skaggris, but obviously it doesn't let him leave that room. So at this point, Skaggris is just like hunched in a corner, <laughs> and the entire rest <laughs> of the room is just feces. Oh, <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Okay, I got more questions for you, dude. How do you feel about Gallifrey and Morse code? Oh, uh, yeah, that's kind of how no, I feel um... as
1: well. <laughs> I mean, I kind of would have been on board for it if it had a better setup because basically it seemed Romana just had this brainwave of uh-huh. oh listen to his heartbeats and maybe that he's telling us something. And obviously Corotis had the same brainwave beforehand of oh I'm not able to use my brain properly, but I can still control my body. I don't know, but what what of him is having this thought? I don't know. Um, and he uses his heartbeats to send Morse code, but there's nothing set up to com- combine those two in the thought processes. Like if there was just a, a if there was a line from romana of like there's a survival technique that we're all taught <laughs> where you can communicate through your heartbeat or something. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> might have bought it a bit more, but the way it was set up, it was just bollocks.
0: <laughs> yeah, I-, I thought it was too silly. I don't remember what he says, by the way. What's the message he's transmitting?
1: He says... Oh, which episode is this?
0: Uh... Oh, it's interesting that you say that. To me, this was just one massive movie because I watched the 2017 version.
1: Yes, so because I started watching the VHS, which was broken into episodes, yeah, I felt compelled to keep write- writing notes as if they were episodes, which was very hard, <laughs> so I had to look at the, the official BBC uh, Doctor Who website for the notes on where the endings were and then kind of...
0: Are we going to get a see. Jim reacts to cliffhangers segment?
1: Well, we can, because I know where the cliffhangers are. Oh, let's um, hear him. I can't find the blooming notes.
0: Oh, who Wait, cares? I want to is... know your opinion on the cliffhangers now.
1: Wait, no, I got it. He transmits the message through Gallifrey and Morse of, beware the sphere, beware Skagra, beware Sharda, the secret is in the... and then cuts
0: off. Right, okay. Okay. Well, I mean, that was useful. Mm, he, he had really. probably been trans. Yeah, exactly. I mean, he, he might have been transmitting lots of very useful Morse codes beforehand. It's possible. Yeah. <laughs> I'm Sally Aven. <laughs> Please, save <me>. I'm dying. <laughs> I've had my brain stolen. Get it back. <laughs> That's an interesting sequence, by the way, because when he disappears entirely, the doctor says, oh, maybe he had used up his last regeneration. Yeah. So apparently when you run out of regenerations, you just disappear.
1: Which did we not see in the, I want to say it was the Talons of Wen Chiang?
0: Oh, you're so right. I had forgotten about that. (laughs) Yes. Bing Bong, that would actually be Planet of the Spiders. Bing bong.
1: just Like Jedi's himself.
0: Yeah, exactly. He turns and back yeah. into his younger self, and then he Jedi's. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. I had forgotten about that.
1: But did, I can't remember if in that scene there, was, there is literally the, the same kind of effect of a, a cape or something slowly falling to the ground, or if he just totally disappears in the same way that Crotus does.
0: I don't remember either. But then Crotus just comes but back I, again. But, because yeah. what? Because uh, his TARDIS has like a backup?
1: Something about like the Claire fiddling with the panel at the same time he died, or was... I think it, the phrase is he was why well, he was dying, but it seems like there are several scenes between him disappearing and Claire fiddling with panels, which kind of makes that a bit shit.
0: <laughs> yeah, exactly. There must just be a running backup going in the background. <laughs> His tortoise is just like constantly caching. <laughs>
1: Actually, I did flick through the um, the transcript a bit mm-hmm. and I got the impression that potentially for the animated version, they actually decided to shift some scenes around. Oh, right. Okay. I, I, yeah, I, I have no idea if, if this is the case or not. Like the transcript might be from the original scripts which have very little bearing on what was filmed and stuff i don't know but it it kind of felt like maybe from a pacing point of view like or maybe they swapped stuff around in the the vhs version to even out the gaps from the missing scenes i don't know but Uh i feel like if you did actually sit down and watch all of well at least the vhs version and the animated version that that bit in particular i think where where claire is in close room for the first time might appear in a different place like even in a different episode
0: oh Right, and perhaps more sensically. sensically. Yes,
1: possibly. Don't quote me on that. It was just a a kind of half look through the script that suggested it might be the case. Okay. But it definitely feels weird that, yeah, the explanation for how Cronutis is still alive again. Yeah. But yes, this is broken into episodes. At least it was intended to be. Oh, here we go. I still so don't first... have a
0: jingle for this. Damn it. <laughs> All right, go for it, go for it, go for it. I'm going to pull myself some more um, allegedly. Go for it. <laughs> the
1: first cliffhanger would have been when we get the reveal of the Krag, which is oh. a bit naff in hindsight because they're nothing. But the whole when Skagra is kind of reporting into his ship and, like, the universe should, should prepare. Right, that's okay. The, the first episode. So that's a bit of a...
0: Okay, a but weird. it's it's still, like, I mean, it's a badass henchman reveal.
1: Yeah. I think it... I don't know, it's weird because it seems to be definitely, if you take that as a cliffhanger in particular, it seems like, oh, there's a level above Skagra. It's like there's a bigger picture. And actually, it turns out it's a smaller picture in a way. You know, <laughs> oh, it's, much it's smaller a, picture. A henchman commander, yeah. Episode two ends where Doc is being chased by the sphere and Doc oh. can't climb. Is, is this the
0: bike chase? Oh, I see that yes. one. Yes, yeah.
1: <laughs> you kind of, you can kind of feel them sometimes.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's true. God, I love the bike chase, by the way.
1: Really? Okay, I didn't hate it for the most
0: part, but okay. I hated that he l- lost the book. That I thought was mega naff.
1: Yeah, that was mega naff. And this, this might have a bearing on our friendship, depending on how you answer. Oh no! What did you think about the a cappella lads? <laughs> <laughs>
0: Oh, no, I don't know if I want to gamble with our friendship here, dude, but... (laughs) Okay, okay, okay. Adjust. Okay, good.
1: Genuinely, what did you think?
0: Okay, to say that I adored their appearance and their completely blasé reaction to a silver (laughs) sphere flying past them because they were too busy singing Carolina or whatever it was would be an understatement. I absolutely loved them. (laughs)
1: Oh, God. Yeah, I hate it so much. (laughs) I believe they were singing Chattanooga Choo Choo.
0: Oh, yes. (laughs) Chattanooga Choo Choo. I can't sing it. You know what I mean.
1: Which um have you seen black books?
0: I was just thinking that, yes, it's the dad, isn't it? It's yeah. uh, what's his face's dad who constantly sings that. <laughs> we
1: we actually recently rewatched it and for weeks afterwards I would just randomly sing Chattanooga Choo, and it drove Marie insane. <laughs> Yeah, I, I was not in love with the uh, acapella ads. I think the, the bike chase in general is is kind of cool. Although, I forget if uh, it changed between the versions, but I'm sure at one point Doc goes very quickly around the corner on a bike and there's the sound of, like, a car
0: tire squealing sound, you know. Oh, right. Oh, I I don't remember that one. There is a bit of trivia associated with the a- acapella group, though, by the way, before we move away from them. Did you read this? The, the chap who directed this, whose name now escapes me, uh, he had... Uh, he he enjoyed a good drink Every now and then And at one point during production He went out in the evening Got pissed And uh, showed up the following day And they're shooting And this acapella group is setting up And it turns out while he was totally sloshed He agreed to this And he had no <laughs> recollection of them appearing <laughs> Oh my god, that's amazing. <laughs> I may misremember some of the details But that was the gist of it <laughs> I'm now on board Mm, good I'm glad (laughs) friendship (laughs) rescued
1: that's a nice little okay uh, endings episode three Sorry. Ends with, oh yeah, with the ship turning off the oxygen.
0: Okay, it's, uh, that's a classic cliffhanger. Yeah, yeah, that's
1: not a, not a bad one.
0: Yeah. Like it's
1: uh, you a, can, you can imagine there's going to be a way out of it, but it's very tense. Don't have to necessarily hand wave too much, which I don't think they do actually. I think Chris just comes into the room and then the oxygen comes back on. So yeah, Yeah. okay with that. One. Episode four, ooh, canine turns a normal krog into a fiery flaming krog. Oh. Well, as I was trying to get into the intro at one point, in the Aussie saying, You're flaming Galah, a flaming Karak. <laughs> <laughs> wasn't intro worthy, but I'm going to.
0: That makes way more sense to me now. <laughs> you should have led with that. <laughs> Is this what I referred to in the beginning as the radiation effect? Is that where that comes from? Like, is it effectively ignited by K9?
1: Well, I'm led a little bit from the BBC's summing up of the endings, because they, they refer to it as the fiery Krog. Oh, right. So, I mean, it never really looks like fire, does it? It looks more kind of hot, glowing stuff. I don't know. Yeah. But, yeah. Either way, K9's done bad shit to Krog, and now Krog is even better.
0: Oh, good boy, K9. We haven't talked about K- by the way
1: Uh, no we haven't the the resolution to this one though i did not understand for um, yeah anything like some somehow we are under threat of immediately being smashed by a crag and then everyone just walks away from it other than the caveman dudes
0: who'd get nobbled oh right okay wait nobbled did we watch different films (laughs) 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 and can i watch the film you watched please (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> uh, the Krog has some kind of like,
1: electrical stick as well, doesn't it? Like,
0: oh, yeah, you're right. They shoot lightning bolts. Yeah, and it,
1: it starts attacking people at the end of episode 4 and gets turned into a flaming thing, and then, I think, this is yeah, this is this spaceship. I don't know. My notes are a bit fuzzy around here, but I, I, I thought this... this
0: oh, sorry. Yeah, this is the scene with all the cavemen, isn't it? Yeah, it's not a spaceship. It's the um, think tank.
1: The think tank. Well, it's the space station.
0: Oh, yeah, yeah, sorry.
1: And then it blows up. So, yeah,
0: they, they all get killed oh yeah oh yeah <laughs> I forgot about that <laughs> no, no kind of rescue for those lads nope they're gone <laughs> great and, on, and to top it off they lost their best years
1: <laughs> yeah um and then episode 5 we're in we're in Chatter the prisoners have been freed and the sphere gets shot by K9 and just turns into lots of spheres that then go and attach themselves to all the prisoners and even Chris and it's now coming for the doc oh my goodness no way <laughs> <laughs> Actually, that's a thing. Chris gets a sphere on his head. All How does right. that get resolved?
0: Remind me? When does he get a sphere in his head? At the end of
1: episode five. I think this is one of the animation scenes.
0: Oh, yes, you're right. Yeah, he gets taken over in Shada. He gets taken over. Yeah. I'm not sure that is resolved. He just suddenly is fine. That's what my notes lead me to believe as well. <laughs> okay, so here's my assumption. My assumption is that when the doctor... Well, I mean, when he uses the version of himself that is inside, of the sphere to take control of all the spherized peeps he probably in a scene you don't get to see sends everyone back to where they were before so he puts uh, Genghis Khan and Lucrezia Borgia back in prison they they are no no longer spherized they're now themselves but they're cryogenically frozen for no reason whatsoever and that? he puts uh, Bristol back in Cambridge puts Bristol back <laughs> the dude in the city <laughs> (laughs) (laughs) keep up podcast land you know what I'm talking about Yeah, no, I think you're probably banging on the nose there. I think maybe at some point they went, listen, we're going to have to cut a few things from this or it's going to be a seven episode arc. And then things are just assumed to have been taken care of off screen. Like the fact that Chris is back in Cambridge at the end, sipping tea and about to be arrested is like, OK, cool. So he was clearly saved.
1: Yeah, I think there's
0: dialogue about how the prisoners
1: are going to be dealt with. Maybe that did mention Chris. But I, yeah, my, I do have notes about the fact that the prisoners are going to get their minds back off. Or- They've already got their minds back, I'm not sure. Oh, right, okay. And then yeah, and shoved back in their cells, and the Time Lords will sort that out.
0: Yeah, this does not... I'm not okay with this prison. Like, in no <laughs> way am I okay with this prison.
1: No. I don't Been know what
0: year we're in. All these guys, new Sorry? trials. Uh, yes, absolutely.
1: <laughs> I mean, new trials, <laughs>
0: So, uh, uh, just looked up Genghis Khan. Genghis Khan died August 18th, 1227. I don't know what year we're in at the end of Shada, but, I mean, fine, let's say it is 1980. He's been in that prison, and presumed dead on Earth, but he's been in that prison for 653 years. Sorry, 753 years. <laughs> that's and not okay doesn't have a, and, and, I, don't, I don't understand the point of this prison I mean well, Genghis Khan was a piece of shit but like it's not like they're it's it's more like they're being stored than that they are imprisoned because yeah. they're unaware exactly. of what's going on
1: like prison's meant to be well depending on your point of view it's punishment or it's rehabilitation
0: yeah uh, well it's both is it? Is that not the intention this is the... uh,
1: I think these days it's kind of meant to be meant to be both but yeah the, sure. the idea is that this person is either
0: taken too... off the streets and when they are eventually let out or or whatever, like the rest of their life, they will hopefully be better people.
1: Exactly. Yeah. It's the the idea that they can rejoin civilization if they're deemed normal enough, or you know, less less stabby enough to <laughs> be amongst the populace.
0: Maybe it's like a Demolition Man thing. Did you ever watch Demolition Man? Have we had this conversation before? <laughs> this conversation. You seem to have an incredibly large memory of Demolition Man, I have <laughs> It's, very it's so man. freaking good, man. <laughs> 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 they were already dead, cold as Hagen does. It's so good. Anyway, watch it. Uh, Wesley Snipes best haircut ever so in that film people are put under they're, they're cryogenically frozen that's their prison center they are frozen but while they are in the ice they are being rehabilitated technologically like there, there's some sensor that reaches into the brain and they are taught new things while they're in there so when Stallone comes out of the ice he's really good at knitting for example Like and that's like part of his rehabilitation <laughs> part of his therapy was now he's into haberdashery you know he's no longer just into violence and maybe that's what happened to these dudes. You know, Lucrezia Borgia steps out of the ice uh, after several centuries and <laughs> she's like, Hmm, I could really weave me a basket. <laughs> maybe. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> I don't
1: I don't feel like you need seven hundred years to <laughs> maybe shove a few hobbies into someone's brain though. <laughs>
0: uh, also true. <laughs>
1: yeah i'm yeah i'm also not on board with this prison like i guess it's slightly different because sally Avon has changed this by escaping and making everyone forget about it maybe their sentences were only a few years and they were maybe they do do this demolition man thing where they're rehabilitating whilst not taking years off their lives like yeah, it's a maybe i don't know we don't get that though we get these people are just put on ice until everyone that loved them dies and then at some point we might let them them out again. And yeah, exactly. they gone.
0: <laughs> yeah. And then Genghis Khan, who at that point, I mean, he has two options. Either he adapts to his surroundings, he, uh, maybe there's already a TARDIS translation matrix around, so he doesn't have to learn new languages, but he adapts to his surroundings He's like, okay, cool. So now this is what weapons look like nowadays. And we're in a spaceship. So now there are lots of different planets. And I guess I can fly around in this thing. Hmm. What does my temperament tell me to do? Should I go out and make friends? <laughs> Thank <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. yeah, exactly.
1: That's an interesting point, though, about Translation Matrix stuff. Oh, yeah? I feel like we let it slide a lot of the time because...
0: No shit.
1: <laughs> you turn up on another planet, and they're all, all the same people, peoples on that planet, and it's just through the, the eyes and ears of the Doctor and his companion that we see these people, and it's like, okay, they're getting stuff translated, and the Translation Matrix is working the other way for the native people. But we have Skagra interacting with Wilkin, for example. Oh, yeah. So how does he communicate?
0: I think there's one clear exception to the TARDIS translation matrix, and that is posh Englishman. <laughs> <laughs>
1: sorry, mouthful of whiskey while I'm trying to laugh at that. <laughs> oh, sorry.
0: <laughs>
1: so but I uh, see. Posh Englishmen can convey themselves in any language. <laughs> exactly.
0: Yes, precisely. It, like Maybe it's not even posh Englishman. It's everyone in space, and then there's Rada. So, <laughs> everyone on Gallifrey clearly went to RADA. Everyone on Gallifrey is fairly well-to-do. I mean, Also, this is set in Cambridge. It's not in, like, the University of Slough. <laughs> you know, like... <laughs> no, this is very... <laughs> the Science Academy of Hull. <laughs> you know, it's... No offence to Slough or Hull, by the way. I'm sure we have lovely listeners there. But... <laughs> And I have passed through Slough on the train, so that goes for something, but... but... (laughs) I'm pretty sure that's the thing. They don't need the Matrix to to speak in posh English to each other.
1: No, because they can just talk clearly enough.
0: Yeah, exactly. I mean, the Doctor speaks English, by the way. I'm pretty sure the Doctor does not speak Gallifreyan with his companions, and the companions understand it as English. I think the Doctor speaks English. Oh, really? You don't think so?
1: You know, I never put my mind to it. I think maybe I do think that, actually. Yeah.
0: Oh, very interesting. Holy moly. Okay, this is... I think this is a real... A, a potential gold mine. Podcastland, please pop comments not on Facebook. Thank you very much. You know who you are. Pop the comments on the website <laughs> on webground.com. I want to I want to see a conversation about which language the doctor speaks with his English speaking companions.
1: The only yeah, the only argument I have for the counterpoint would be Eccleston, I think, having to defend that he's northern.
0: Oh. By oh yeah, lots of plants have yeah, a, north.
1: A, a Yeah, which kind of suggests Something here is translating him and is making him northern, but I don't know because otherwise he would have had to, uh, he would have had to intentionally speak English with a northern accent.
0: Yeah, that's very, that's very true. I guess. Capaldi I sounds like a Scotsman, Whittaker, I'm trying to think of the others as in the, the other classic ones.
1: But this could just be a nature of the doctor. Like, mean, the doctor knows how to speak English, and every version of a doctor speaks English through a different accent. Yeah, tr- yeah,
0: in- interesting thought
1: actually. I've not really put my mind to that before,
0: nor right. I. Yeah. see, if we get just one thing done tonight <laughs> before we round off and head into ratings we have not really touched upon romana what what's the dealio with romana in this one
1: what is the dealio with romana romana gets captured in this and i, d- I don't want to like divert the conversation of romana but also alongside romana getting captured the tardis gets captured
0: <laughs> oh yeah that's true we didn't talk about that either <laughs>
1: Um, but yeah, those two things do happen basically at the same time. And I don't know, is she, is she is she lacking things to do a lot in this serial?
0: Yeah, I mean, for a while there is she, I mean, she takes over Chronotis's TARDIS, and for a while she's travelling around with a companion of her own in Claire.
1: No, that's very true. Yeah, I mean, it bothers me how long she is basically dragged around by Skagra though. I'm trying to remember that.
0: What is that? Where? Uh, well what's when
1: oh god no! you put me on the spot <laughs> <laughs> I mean basically when Skagra steals the TARDIS so I have this towards the end oh, of episode 3 oh yes of
0: course I'm so sorry you're so right
1: so he's, he's grabbed Romana he's got the TARDIS he uses the TARDIS from this point onwards until the end and then at some point Romana escapes I can't remember exactly where that is but yeah he's I think it's mostly in the animated scenes but he's you know literally dragging her from the TARDIS out onto the next scene yeah and I, th- I feel like she's there just as a bargaining chip like he- he's always after something else and she's just there yeah just as a kind of insurance policy
0: yeah I-, I think I agree with you she does get that I mean she does get the sequence with Claire but it's not quite enough to grab like it-, it doesn't level the playing field between her and the doctor no not by a long shot
1: Def- yeah definitely not in this In this one we've-, we've seen you know that kind of leveling happening quite a lot with Romana probably I-, I don't know it feels like maybe a bit more with Romana too, but I think Romana 1 as well had that. Like, being a time lady where we just naturally see them on the same level a lot more often than previous yeah. companions. Yeah, true. And yeah, It feels like we are robbed of that a little bit during this serial. I also don't like... But partly, oh, sorry, go for it. So partly, maybe that's just because we have a villain that's actually enacting their plan very competently through a lot of this serial, and Doc is on the back foot through it all.
0: Yeah, also, that's a that's a fair argument. Skygra is freaking amazing. How could you not know- not enjoy Skagra, dude. <laughs> <laughs> I
1: enjoyed it. I enjoyed it. Just wanted a bit more something.
0: Fair enough. I was going to say, I wasn't a huge fan of how Romana um, interacted with K9. She became a real child when she hung out with K9.
1: You know I didn't really pick up on it. Was is this the, the thing we commented on before with companions and the canine?
0: Yeah, uh, yeah, it is actually. You're right. I'm kinda of doubling down on that. The the sort of petting K nine and being so overly excited when you're Oh good boy K nine. Sword yeah. off. No. That's <laughs> No, it's be a person. And also, don't infantilize K9. He's got a crazy huge brain.
1: Yeah, and he's a fucking walking gun on legs. <laughs> and will kill a million people if you tell him to.
0: Yeah, also. <laughs> but there are these occasional line deliveries that are, it, presumably, I mean, I'm assuming it's not her fault. I'm assuming that this is on the part of the director to just go like, yeah, well, I mean, K9 is probably the source of lots of toys that we sell to children and also children tune into this that's why we have K9 in the first place so every interaction with K9 needs to be delivered as though it's on a much more child friendly show than the entire rest of this serial <laughs> yeah Yeah. so uh, that didn't really resonate with me but anyway I have a couple of notes about the other versions of this if you're interested because one of them does in fact this just a segue from that one of them does pertain to Romana in the okay. 2003 webcast version the very I mean I saw Soul little of it. But in the intro, uh, Romana is approached on Gallifrey by the Eighth Doctor, who, uh, by the way, this is taken from the trivia, the Eighth Doctor explains that having meddled in the Fourth Doctor's timeline in the TV serial The Five Doctors, that then caused a wibble and wobble in time, and yeah, now it's the Eighth Doctor rather than the Fourth Doctor. Fine, that's cool. But Romana, at that point, is Madam President Romana. The
1: President?
0: Yeah, she is the President of Gallifrey. That's one of the first lines of... uh, Paul McGann's
1: yeah Yeah. so I've kind of forgotten where we stand with the presidency of Gallifrey because at one point Doc was definitely president and then (laughs) shit happened and I can't remember if he was still president when he left
0: (laughs) I think maybe he was (laughs) he's got like a standing invitation to come back and claim his role yeah
1: but he has uh, honorary doctorate apparently oh
0: yes yeah from the 60s that's pretty nice that's clearly his buddy Cronotis pulling some strings (laughs) yeah question for you, since you watched the VHS version. In the very beginning, when Tom Baker walks around the Doctor Who experience, slash the Doctor Who Museum, does he, when he encounters the robot from the serial robot, refer to it as, and I quote, Cock. <laughs>
1: Um, I must admit, I didn't write a single note about that
0: little bit. That's the only note I made <laughs> of the VHS version. <laughs> he's walking around and he's like, "Oh, and a uh, Yeti, you and whatever." Like he, he's, oh, Daleks, beat you, Cyberman, maybe beat you, you know, Ice Warrior, whatever. And he gets to the robot and he goes, "Beat you, cock."
1: <laughs> <laughs> I'm I'm literally loading this up because I want to play and find out if this is true.
0: <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll p- pop a soundbite in here as well. <laughs> giant robot beat you cock he does he does <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> Plus, is... I'm absolutely amazed I just literally scrubbed once and it landed exactly on that <laughs> that <point>. was
0: perfect <laughs> I mean that is either him referring to calling the robot a cock or it's him making afternoon plans
1: <laughs> I, I think it might be a kind of northernism of cock being a nice way of referring to someone oh really <laughs>
0: Right, I'll use that excuse next time. <laughs> I could be wrong. How do you feel about rating this? Sure, why not? <laughs> and now it is time to rate this. Did we laugh or hate this? Bing bong, bing bong, hey, la, 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 la. Ratings
1: so as is normally the uh, the way for me I find it's quite hard to rate I feel like it's justified on this occasion because this is an unfinished episode an unfinished serial like we have multiple versions to go by we have none of them really I would imagine being the original form that it was meant to be but they are the best of what they can be so I'm trying to look past a lot of that I'm trying to just think of it as the story and what I've, I've seen from the portrayals of the, the, the physical filming and the the miniature sets we see, but it's still it's still obviously going to be, be hard to really judge it purely on merits that are hard to fathom. I think overall, this is a thoroughly entertaining serial. It's inventive and interesting. There are wonderful characters. Whilst I didn't quite love Skagger as much as Leon did, I definitely <laughs> did enjoy him. Like His presence was awesome. He is, for the most part, a good villain, I think. He actually gets some shit done, and like I feel like the universe is in peril. Like, the stakes are re- really very high and I think you feel that throughout as well. I think we have uncovered though there are quite a few missed opportunities with this. We've got the the Krag which are, you know, the cliffhanger of the first episode and it's an interesting creature that we we get introduced to. We don't know a hell of a lot about it other than they are created by Skagra and they seem to be able to absorb energy a bit and they also seem to be able to explode (laughs) but other than that there's not a lot to go on. They're not well utilized. Uh, Likewise with the prisoners, like the fact that Leon Uncovered that they are apparently meant to be human people from history. Like I mean it's it's not addressed in the thing that I watched. They are just really just random criminals that could be absolutely anyone. And as you rightly pointed out Leon, they are they are robbed of even if they were like uh, notable individuals, they are robbed of that because they have had their minds erased and just turned into kind of mindless zombies in a way. Sure yeah. Um I feel like we also miss a slight opportunity with the fact like I love the reveal that Kronotus is silly iving and he he's this master criminal that everyone has been in parts idolizing in, in parts seeking out as just like the, the, the best brain there could be ever, I don't know but we don't actually see that, we see the retired Bumble professor who's lovely, you just want to go up to him and cuddle him but you know would it have been great if, if that twist had come with the extra character of, of like it's, it's a layer below him and like that mastermind criminal came out I don't know, Could it could have been a, a totally different Story. I think uh, you know on the plus side again. We get I think quite a high production value. Uh, the filming location I think was all done very well. We've got a lot of sets with the different. Maybe we don't have to. Maybe it, maybe it's all through animation. But we would have had a lot of sets. Um, we've got a whole new creature. We've got. I feel like I feel like if this had been completed, it would have been a, a high high level production. Like it's it's the end of the series. It's the six parter. They would have you know filled filled out all the cr- nooks and crannies with um, the budget that they had been using up to that point. What else do we have on the positive side? We've got, you know, just the concepts of what Skaggs is trying to do. He's trying to wipe out all independent thought, I guess, in a way. He's creating a massive Gestalt mind entity thing, and he's gathering like the best minds to do this, or the, like the most key minds to make this work. He's got an invisible spaceship. There is there is a forgotten Gallifreyan prison. There is a retired Gallifreyan criminal. There's a computer that is like. Whilst I didn't enjoy the the way it happened, it's an entirely logical thing, and then it's an entirely emotional thing in a way. And it's like waxing lyrical about the doctor, starting the Doc Fan Club. Um, you know, I, I love that. That that was the most Douglas Adamsy bit to me. I think was that computer. It just it seemed like it was a bit Marvin, a bit deep thought. Um, oh, just, definitely just like, very Marvin.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Good call.
1: So yeah, lo- lovely little bits in there. I think um, the, the ending though is slightly unsatisfying as well. Like I said, there's a few kind of Worrying, kind of. It's even written that the doctor does not care enough about Shada. He's just going to let the Time Lords do what they want with it. What a dude!
0: What a dude!
1: Troublesome. (laughs) And Skagra is just left on his ship, and his ship isn't liking him. But that could easily change. You know, that's that's not a good enough finish. But I do kind of love that the humans are just taken down to the police station and asked to explain themselves. Is such a wonderfully stupid ending. It's great. And I do have just a couple of side points, nothing to do with the rating really. But I, I happen to notice there are two sides of alliteration in the naming of, of people in this. So we have Chris, Claire, Cronotus, and we have Skagra, Sharda, and Sallyaven.
0: Oh nice. Oh, very well month, observed.
1: Like Chris and Claire are really boring names. I, I hope that someone thought of this for some reason because they wanted to have everyone beginning with C, but I don't know. <laughs> and a little S- or the all the right.
0: Chris's and clan cost lands <laughs>
1: <laughs> hey yeah it's not like jim is that exciting <laughs> and uh, a little shout out to our very own drew because the, very early on in this serial we get a countdown it's not just any countdown it's a roman numeral countdown that's man. in
0: my mini as well <laughs> <laughs>
1: that's how much we love you Drew. <laughs> Anywho, all that that aside, um, it's definitely mostly high. I enjoyed the hell out of this. Yes, you can pick it apart. Yes, it's a shame it was never finished, and who knows what it would have been originally. But what we've got is thoroughly entertaining, so I'm going to give it a 4.0.
0: 4.0 from Jim. Very good. (laughs) Okay, thank you. Uh... Beat that. (laughs) I just want to say, first off, wow, we made it to Shada. This legendary serial has been lying in wait since the very beginning of, of this podcast. And at least for my sake, my understanding of Classic Who and what it means that there are lost episodes out there. So, wow. And, and you know what? It was worth the wait. What a serial. The characters in this one are an, an interesting potpourri. On the one hand, we have the slightly meh characters of Claire and, and Bristol. Even Roman and K-9 are underused, as we said. But you know what? I can live with that this one time. Because on the other hand, we get Professor Chronotis and Skagra. And Chronotis is a wonderful. I want a spin-off show about him staying at rural B&Bs and having to solve crimes. Like, basically, I want a <laughs> Mrs. Fletcher and Murder, She Wrote reboot, but with a bumbly semi Noel Time Lord. I adore this man. And Skagra is an absolutely marvelous villain. You've already encapsulated all the reasons why so I, there's there's no way I can I can go into that without repeating everything you've just said. I echo it, but I want to add I love this man's outfit. It's like it's like the 80s got a cape, and there is no way a bucket of cocaine wasn't involved in the design of this man's wardrobe. <laughs> His plot, I, I, I will say a thing about his plot, it is really devious and clever and sinister and it, it, it's it's impressive. And I say that although it wasn't necessarily fully fleshed out, let alone realised, obviously, in the final serial, but it's it stands out as, holy moly, this dude is evil. As his counterpart, the Doctor is wonderful. I could say as always, but he's really stand out wonderful in this one. He does a bunch of doctoring, he interacts very well with everyone there's even a really sweet non sequitur moment when he pins a medal on romana i really like that and he's truly enjoying himself throughout this whole production even throughout the post-production if you will because at the end of the 2017 version anyway present day tom baker shows up and that's that's amazing (laughs) yeah That, that really warmed my heart Though I would like to take this opportunity to point something out, because someone out there in podcast land felt it necessary to spoil this for me. And after having spoiled this for me, in the same message added, spoiler alert. Well, you know what? That is not how spoiler alerts work. Also, Cambridge is a real character of its own here. It really As settings go, wowee! It has it's presented with different music at a different pace. there's string music in the beginning. There's also like a flute and piano ensemble for the the cutscenes in Cambridge in the beginning, which I don't think they carried all the way through, but they were certainly there in part one, and it, it, it stood out as like as you pointed out, it's sort of a, a like a love song for Cambridge. Overall, uh, I'll start running this off. It goes without saying that it's a tragedy that this serial was never aired, but at least it wasn't wholly lost like so many of the very early serials. Uh, And I'm really pleased that we now have so many different ways to enjoy Douglas Adams' final Doctor Who story. I don't care about the plot holes. This story totally lives up to the hype. It has... A Roman numeral countdown! I've written that in all caps, by the way, for crying out loud. (laughs) Drew would love this. If there's a company out there somewhere that could manufacture a sharder-shaped real doll, I want them to sponsor this podcast and send me one, because I would make passionate love to it in the middle of Oxford High Street just to spite Cambridge and declare my love of this cereal. I'm giving this (laughs) 4.4.
1: Very, very nice. (laughs) Thank
0: you. (laughs) Shall we have a listen to Podcast Land?
1: Oh, I think we bloody well should.
0: listener minis now let's hear from podcast land max 250 or it would get out of hand writer rooney and cheesecakes we have only two listener minis for this how is that possible that's that's it totally that that, that's one giant insane muffin like i don't even know what that is that's crazy anyway um fine here goes the first one comes from whom jim
1: why it's a Andy Parkinson.
0: What up, Andy? How you doing?
1: You know how to pocket son.
0: <laughs> Sorry, Andy, it's late. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Andy has provided us with a list of likes and a list of boops here's the list of likes first like this is the final story for the late great Douglas Adams and you can see his humour all over this and there's lots of great lines
1: next like where Skagreb goes into the visible ship it's very Star Trek for the voyage home oh
0: very true yeah nice ref
1: for the backwards episode of Red Dwarf
0: <laughs> I really need to watch Red Dwarf I <laughs> finally get all these references <laughs> And last like, last like? How is this not just a giant list of likes, Andy? All right, last like, Dennis Carey is brilliant as the scatterbrained Professor Chronotis. Yes, agreed a million percent.
1: Indeed. But you're right, that's the end of the likes. And next come the... Boofs. First one being, if some weird scar space dude with a cloak approached me for a lift, I'd be off like a shot and certainly not letting him in my car. That driver clearly didn't listen to his Stranger Danger videos in school.
0: Yeah, that's a good points
1: <laughs> but wait when they were doing the Stranger Danger videos wasn't the green cross, cross code man wearing a very similar outfit it was just green
0: <laughs> I'm not familiar with these, these videos I know the term Stranger Danger but wait is this an actual thing
1: I don't I don't know the Stranger Danger ones that much but I know the green cross code man because he is the guy in the suit of Darth Vader mm
0: wait what really
1: yeah
0: david prowse yeah really i think so this dude david he just keeps popping back up on our in our reviews (laughs) right next (laughs) what the f is that piece of red carpet doing there by the invisible ship yeah good question does it come out with a ramp? I mean, what's the point of an invisible ship if you're going to put a welcome mat outside it?
1: Mm. Yeah, I'm, I'm not having this. Like, if you <laughs> see a red carpet lying in a field, you might be a bit perplexed why there's a red carpet lying in the field. You're not going to immediately go, ah, oh, there must be an invisible spaceship parked above it.
0: <laughs> no, but you might go and try to have a picnic on it and walk straight into an invisible ship. <laughs> Well, that's possible.
1: Okay. <laughs> Fair enough. It's a boof. <laughs> Next up, we have After returning to his ship, Skagra comes out in regular clothing. Why did he not wear that in the first place? Jolly, it would have been more inconspicuous.
0: But much less dapper. And <laughs> last boof. The scientists on the think tank, how have they survived? Do they have food and water? If so, how are they feeding themselves with fingernails like that? <laughs> <laughs> Yes, their fingernails grew. Yeah, they're really gross. They're like that dude in the Guinness Book of World Records. They're really revolting.
1: Wait, I, no, I've seen that. It's nothing like
0: that. Okay, that fine. I was a curling in like 20 times. Okay, you know what? You're totally right. They have yeah. the same fingernails as, I can't remember which one of the ladies, in the WAP music video. Don't pretend you haven't yeah. seen it. No <laughs> it. Uh, wap look it up look it up
1: do i want to look this up? it's like the closest sure it's
0: the closest thing to softcore porn that if there was such a thing as mtv mtv playing right now right yeah.
1: maybe i'll let podcast land look at that okay. okay you can tell me about it like okay. put it in the comments podcast and i'll i'll live precariously <laughs> Precarious, no, vicarious.
0: vicariously <laughs> It seems like you are living precariously if you're not willing to watch this. WAP, by the way, stands for wet-ass pussy. It's a risque video.
1: <laughs> well, after that fun fact, um, <laughs> Andy has given us his own fun fact about this serial more on topic. Nice. <laughs> the choir scene in the bicycle chase weren't originally written into the story. Ah, this is what you were saying, Mr. Leo. The direct pennant, Roberts. Okay. And crew were at a pub when one of the barmen overheard them talking and asked if his choir could be in the show. Due to a combination of alcohol and exhaustion, the director agreed. The had forgotten by the morning and got a bit of a shock when the choir turned up.
0: Yes, uh, which is uh, unarguably a fun fact. <laughs> <laughs> um, or- arguably. <laughs> <laughs> Overall, concludes Andy, this could well have been one of the all-time classic serials, but the story feels a little confusing and too long. I'm not sure whether this is the fault of the story itself or the later content, but on the whole, I do enjoy it. <laughs> on the whole. I award this story 3.7 brain-draining spheres out of 5.
1: Mm, very good, very good. Thank you.
0: Very, very good, yeah. He's added that he's based his review on the uh, version currently on Brit, Box with animated scenes and the v version. Nice. Well done. Yeah. Um, nice. People who are not Andy, please high five Andy online. He can be found at Caffreys71. That's Caffreys, what, Jim?
1: 71.
0: <laughs> That's right. Thank you very much, Andy. Thank you, Andy. Next
1: and last up, we have Michael Ridgeway. 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 Hello there, Michael. Hello, Michael.
0: Oh my, so big.
1: <laughs> no preamble, Michael just goes straight into his likes. Great baddie in Roy Batty lookalike Skagra.
0: Yes, very true.
1: Loved his brain-chomping sphere, particularly when it knocked the fisherman in the water.
0: <laughs>
1: oh my god, I forgot about that.
0: Bit. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> Next like, the crazy old dudes. But how has the ship deteriorated faster than they have aged? You know what? That I don't so remember just... what the ship looks like. All right, yeah, we... <laughs>
1: <laughs> A bit brown and gunky maybe i don't know oh that'll anyway, be the next pit. light <laughs> It just smeared it all over the place. <laughs> Epic Time Lord lore stuff. It would have been nice to have some recognisable villains in the prison, though.
0: Yeah, that's a good point. As I mentioned, in the trivia, there's a note that of there being a Cyberman and uh, something else, I can't remember now, Ice Warrior or something. But, I, yeah, I don't remember seeing anyone either. Um, n- 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 Next, like the Doctor's logic battle with Skagra's ship's computer. Very Douglas Adams. Very true.
1: Mm. Here's
0: our friend who agrees with us.
1: Indeed. <laughs> up shades of star trek 4 with the invisible spaceship in a park hey. although Skagra would have buggered if someone had nicked his red carpet
0: hey hey andy here's your friend who agrees with you <laughs> <laughs> and last like loved the appearance of old baker oh
1: yeah i don't think we've we commented enough on that scene that anything they added in the 2017 version is just lovely
0: it really is it's so sweet isn't it yeah
1: but unfortunately, Michael did have some... Boobs. In fact, there's only one beef there. Mm. Hang on a minute. How did Professor Chronotis, a.k.a. Sally Aven, escape Deep Freeze? How did he return from the dead? And why didn't the spear figure out he was Sally Avon in the first brain drain? All good points. Yeah, why very good did points. he warn Dr. Bouchard if he knows Sally Avon isn't even present there? And what were his crimes anyway? Don't worry, we'll keep your secret is all very well, Doctor. But what if he is a baby-munching scientist? who fashions his own out of skinned kittens.
0: <laughs> I take this to mean that he eats the baby's skin and all. <laughs> <laughs> a really good questions.
1: No, it's just that babies don't make the best pajamas.
0: Oh, I see what that yeah. I mean it's yeah. called the cat's pajamas for a reason, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> These are super good points. Like this is a seriously valid set of beefs. I have a possible theory, though. I don't know, Jim, I don't know how you feel about this, but do you reckon maybe Chronotis is so bumbly that he himself has forgotten that he is Saliaven?
1: I guess it's possible. I guess, yeah, because you're led to believe through just years and years of watching this kind of stuff that it's all an act, but it's not, is it? He's just got really old and forgot.
0: <laughs> yeah, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah, just yeah. unbeefed your, your mini there, Michael. <laughs> Michael adds a summary. Recreated Sharda didn't quite meet the expectations of, say, the legendary missing Seventh Doctor's Se- season twenty-seven recreated in audio. Who. But it was pretty darn good nonetheless. And he gives this a rating of what, Jim?
1: Rating incomplete due to industrial strike action against Two Back When for not reviewing any server. Seventh Seventh <laughs> Doctor audio. <laughs> <laughs>
0: The time. <laughs> yeah point taken mike <laughs> i'm assuming that michael is a fan of this one <laughs> yeah so it's probably a pretty <laughs> high rating but yeah okay we, we take your point maybe uh maybe we should do a the audio adventure very soon don't worry stick with us we'll make it happen <laughs> thank you very much michael excellent mini as freaking always please you need to have a bad day sometime people who are not michael can say hello to michael online he can be found at bad underscore movie underscore club
1: club nice (laughs) yeah that was very clear and i know there isn't an underscore after that one
0: that's good excellent yeah
1: wow wow wow
0: yeah that's it
1: i think yeah
0: holy moly wow we did it dude So what's next?
1: Well, next will be a new Who, I would assume, which will be the girl who died.
0: Oh, yes. After which, we're back in classic country with The Leisure Hive, season 18. Holy moly.
1: Wow. The last season of Tom Baker? Is that right?
0: Yes, I believe so. That's right. We don't have much left. At some point, we will also do a Audio Who review. (laughs) Jim, do you want to take responsibility for this?
1: (laughs) I was just doing introductions. (laughs)
0: I mean, we've written down relative dimensions here, but Michael, given what, what you just said, maybe we should contemplate alternatives to that. We'll see. Uh, we'll get back to you. And in bonus uh, batter... <laughs> uh, <laughs> I'm trying to go for alliteration. And in bonus land,
1: we'll have an entire bloop from this recording, which has lasted for three days and two hours and 27 minutes. <laughs> yes,
0: that is not unlikely. <laughs> But in the meantime, you can say hello to us online. Uh, Jim, are you available somewhere?
1: Why, yes, I am. You can find me in the Sphere at Jim Who.
0: Marvellous stuff. I am also online and <laughs> despite... <laughs> prior statements have still not updated my Twitter handle, so I can still at the time of recording, be found at Ponkin. Lovely. Yeah. Uh, thank you so much for listening. You have been an absolutely wonderful audience. Please be rad and excellent to each other. Stay safe, and ciao chao See ya. Kablamo! Did you enjoy the show? Then please do what the cosmos compels you to, and spread the gospel of who back when. Tell your friends! But I've got no friends! No problemo, tell some strangers. Hooray! Like us on Facebook That's facebook.com Slash whobackwhen All in one word Are you into Twitter? Awesome High five us online And we'll high five you right back You guessed it We're at whobackwhen All in one word And lastly, give us a rating and review on iTunes. It helps our show get noticed and earns you lots of karma points. That's it, rock on and be rad and excellent to each other. Catch your earbulls in our next Who Review or bonus episode. Until then, Who back when?